I 100% believed in the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> I don't think so. What if I believed in angels? Uh, maybe. That's a little different for some it's reason. different, yeah. I don't know. There's like a... a s- there's a lot more to that. Yeah. Because it implies a lot of other beliefs. It does, yeah. Like, it, 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 there's a lot that comes along with that. What about if I believed in ghosts? I believe in ghosts. That's what I was going to say. You, you like, straight just believe in I ghosts. I straight believe in ghosts, yeah. I don't know. I still don't know if I do. Huh. I want... I'm, again, I think we've been over this in other ones. I want to believe, and when we talk about it, I just, like, talk about it like I believe in ghosts. Yeah. But I think I'm not fun enough to believe in ghosts. Oh, I'm fun? Yeah, you're more... If you believe in ghosts, you are more fun than people that don't. A hundred percent. I would rather talk to people who believe in ghosts than people who don't. Fair. That being said, I don't know if I do, but I mm. keep trying to convince myself. Like, the Loch Ness Monster, it's, it's fun to believe in that. You know what I believe? The Loch Ness Monster is a ghost of a plesiosaur. Oh. It's a dinosaur ghost. Oh, yeah. And uh, Bigfoot, that's a ghost of an early hominid. Mm-hmm. That got stuck. Yeah. Ogopogo, that's another dinosaur. Yeah. Ogopogo. I love Ogopogo. What if all human ghosts are just time travelers and we only get to see a glimpse of them? Oh. It could be interdimensional. This isn't a ghost show at all. We're not even going to talk about anything spooky today. I don't know where that came from. Spooky. No, no, not yet. Not oh, until sorry, sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's May. <laughs> yeah. So, May. Uh, <laughs> springtime. Well, it's scary for you with the allergies. It is. I'm. I'm actually like dreading spring. Well, uh, let's maybe start this actual podcast <laughs> <laughs> and not just talk about ghosts. Because welcome everyone to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. And we are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. <laughs> My name is Indy Ghost of a Dinosaur Randawa. And with me is my lovely co-host, Samantha Ghosts Over Angels. Randawa. Yeah, I keep saying he's. I'm I know. not used to saying Randawa. That's yet. okay. Well, we rambled a bit off the top already, so let's get into things. Yeah. Today we are going to each have a spoiler free thing of the week, and then I'll let you know what we're watching for the big watch because this week is my week to choose. Yeah. So you get a little break from the step up movies. I'm very excited. Just a little one though. But before we get into it, let's thank our first sponsor of the episode. And this episode of I Love This You Should Too is brought to you in part by the Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings and hours in a day, you can be calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime or on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options with Alberta Blue Cross, head to ab.bluecross.ca. So if you're new to the podcast, the way it works is Indy's going to share his thing of the week, and then I'll share my thing of the week, and then we're going to find out the magical movie that we will be watching. I hope the Loch Ness Monster is in it. Who knows? So Indy, what are you into this week? 
So you know what time it is? It's time for our annual YRCA Roundup. Ooh, yay! So the YRCA is the Young Reader's Choice Awards, and they are awards given to books for young readers, and they are voted on by those same readers. And uh, myself, I've worked on committees for this, and I read all of them, so it's a little thing I like to do. And mm-hmm. every year, once they announce the winners, I come on, tell you about the winners, and I also tell you who I think should have won. Excellent. <laughs> so there is the junior division, which is targeted at elementary school kids. And the winner this year was New Kid by Jerry Craft, and that is a graphic novel. And you know what? I agree. Okay. I really enjoyed it. New Kid is a, like I said, a graphic novel, and it does a very good job of dealing with some topics as far as uh, race, cultural appropriation, and how it feels to be a minority and often the only person that looks like you in a school or in a community. And it does it in a way where it doesn't come across as preachy or heavy-handed. For me, and I'm sure for a lot of people out there, it was very relatable in a lot of ways. And Jerry Craft has done lots of things. This has won quite a few awards, so a lot of people out there already know it. But if you have a younger reader, or I enjoyed it too, so I think it's good for a variety of ages, check out New Kid by Jerry Craft. Did you agree with that one winning? Yeah, I think it was my favorite of the... There is... Eight books in each division, right. 24 books overall, because we have the three divisions. And, and you read was, them all? I think I read 22 out of 24. Wow. Because if there's anything that has the blank and then something royal, I don't read those because right. I'm I'm sick of them and there's so many of them. And so, I feel like a lot of them are like series too. Yeah. Your red queen, white queen, black queen, dark prince, red princess, dark crown, All of those, I don't read them. All right. So in the intermediate division, the winner was The Bridge Home by Padma Venkatraman. And you know what? I think I agree as well. Really? It was very good. Uh, It's a story of this group of children and kind of a found family on the streets of... Oh, I kind of forget where it is now. Is it Mumbai? It's in India either way. I... Absolutely forget which city it's the in. Streets of India. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a it's a sad story. It gives voice to characters we don't often hear about. And I'm not just saying because they're Indian, but you could read it to find out exactly what I mean. Mm-hmm. But it was straightforward enough that I think it's accessible to all age groups. But the things they're dealing with do have a lot of subtlety and complexity to them. And of course, it's simple because it's targeted at, these ones are probably your older elementary into junior high, that kind of group. Right. And I really enjoyed this one. Of course, I would love to see a successful Indian story that doesn't have poor children living on the streets because every movie or book about India that is successful in the West is about that, or Mm -hmm. it's about a uh, white woman who goes there to find herself. Those are the two things that we over here will read about. The rest are like, no, we don't care about your actual stories. We just like this. And this does fall into that, but you know what? It's a good story. It's well written, and I enjoyed that one. So what's it called again? The Bridge Home. Mm. And that is the winner, and I think I agree. For an honorable mention, in my opinion, I'd go to Tristan Strong, Punches a Hole in the Sky. 
And this is the first of a series. It is very much in the vein of those um, Rick Riordan books about that uh, have somebody today interacting with the mythology of Rick Riordan does Greek and Uh um, Roman stuff. But this is very interesting because it takes a lot from West African folktales and just the, the African diaspora in general. And there were a lot of characters that I had only heard tangentially about. And reading this made me go and read some of those stories. Hmm. So it is, a again, over here, a very underserved point of view, but a fun one. Not the best, most original in its concept, because there are so many books about this. A young child realizes they have some magic ability that links them to this big uh, fantasy world, and they get pulled into that world, and they have to kind of reconcile that with what they've uh, experienced the rest of their life. Uh But it's a better version of that than most things, and it's a different version of that. So I enjoyed that one as well. And then on to the senior division, which is kind of targeted at high school age kids. This is usually my favorite. I think we get the most variety in this. Uh, The winner was a book called We Set the Dark on Fire. Hmm. And I didn't like it. Okay. Didn't care for that one. I think all of the nominees in the senior division, there were no straight white male protagonists. Really? And... That does not, of course, make anything inherently good or bad, but We Set the Dark on Fire, I felt got into a lot of tokenism and, look, we're different, Mm. but why? You weren't saying anything with it. You were relying on the same conventions when every protagonist was a straight white male, Mm. but just because now everyone's gay or Hispanic, tell me something about that. Yeah. And I thought this was a pretty derivative and... uh, just, I feel like I've read that book many, many, many times. Right. And it's just people happen to be gay in this one. And rather than just complain about it, I'll give you some suggestions also from the senior division of YRCA nominees that I liked much better. Uh, for instance, a book called Pet by Akweke Emezi is about a um, an alternate world where People like uh, murderers or rapists are looked on just as we look upon like vampires. Okay. We're like, maybe there's something true in there, but you know what? That's so far away from the world mm-hmm. we live in. Right. And it's a really interesting future. And the protagonist in this is uh, trans and black. And this world building, I thought, was amazing because the have a time where there might be monsters. And of course, monsters to them could mean like someone who beats children. To them, that is as outlandish of a monster as a dragon or a vampire. Hmm. Okay. And when monsters come, is it something like that? Or is it something that we think of as a monster? It's a very short read, very interesting. I really enjoyed that book and that the world that they've created and their use of magical realism and things like that. Then there is With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. And everything that I've read of hers has been very good. I'm not going to get too much into this one. I'll just say it's a good book. Okay. Check it out. Also, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribet 
is about a um, Filipino-American who goes back to the Philippines and it's kind of dealing with their president, Duterte, and a lot of the terrible things he's doing. Right. Or some people say terrible. I kind of say terrible. Some people say, like, no, he's cleaning up the country. Hmm. But it's dealing with that. And it also deals with some really interesting identity things because for a lot of uh, first-generation or second-generation immigrants, you feel like you're not belonging to either world Mm -hmm. if you're in the u.s or canada you're always a minority but if you go back to where you're technically from in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. you're not of that world either and the main character there is balancing those which i thought was really interesting and again relatable and i'm gonna give you another one because there were some really strong books here that didn't win and one of my favorites was laura dean keeps breaking up with me And that's a graphic novel by Mariko Tamaki. And she is Japanese-Canadian. And she's done a lot of really good things. I think people probably know Skim the best, which is also very good. But this book, in addition to just looking beautiful, it's all black, white, and pink. And the color palette, or lack thereof, is very appropriate for that book. And it does such a really interesting thing because it is a love story at its heart. Uh, The main character is... Japanese and gay, and she has this kind of um, the romanticism of someone of her Mm -hmm. age, because I think she's a high school student. Right. But it's also tempered by a certain amount of being jaded, almost. Hmm. It has a older voice to it. And I, for some reason, thought Tamaki was in her 20s, but I think she's like 50 years old. And she's still able to make it seem like this was coming from the perspective of someone of that age. That's a talent. And it's it's a really delicate balance that she achieves there. But however she does it, it's brilliant. Go check out Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. I think all of those are better than We Set the Dark on Fire. Hmm. Even Frankly in Love by David Yoon. Nothing amazing. I thought it was a very enjoyable book. I'd put that ahead. Maybe even The Fountains of Silence as well. And then they had one that was like a dark fairy tale which i now skip those ones right yes so go check out the yrca books these are all the ones that already won this year there is a whole new list of books to read for next year's and i'll put out a link where you can get them from i'd put out the edmonton public library link of course because you know those are my buddies You can uh, borrow any of those check out last year's maybe go read something i recommended to you yeah all right, Samantha, how about you? What are you into lately? Um, well, I just read a book. Um, it was kind of the first book that I've read about the pandemic. So it's set in um, 2020 in those first couple months in New York. And it's called Wish You Were Here by Jody Picoult. Oh, she's big time. She is big time, yeah. And uh, so I had gotten a recommendation on this from someone in my book club just saying like, it's it's strange to read about a time that's so specific. Right. And, like, and that you've experienced. And that we've experienced and that also didn't happen that long ago. But it's such a like... We're kind of still experiencing we it. We are still experiencing it. But um, it was really cool. So it's set in March 2020. Um, it uh, is about a woman named Diana O'Toole. She works for Sotheby's as like a... 
a gallerist. I didn't know that's what the word was, gallerist. Yeah. I like that. I wish I was a gallerist. The other one is gallerina. Oh, that's better. <laughs> yeah, I, I oh, really I like... Be a gallerina. I like the word gallerina. Um, but yes, she's a gallerist um, and like a curator for collections when they put things on. I'm going to say I'm a librarina from now on. So <laughs> I'm not a librarian. A librarino, perhaps. A librarino, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so she is dating a surgical resident named Finn, and um, they go from just kind of a normal everyday life of him being a resident and working a lot in the hospital and her kind of working her dream job that she wanted. She went to school for this. She got the internship at Sotheby's and has been working there ever since and is working with the dream boss, and she was very um, kind of happy in her life. She wanted them to be married by the time she was 30, to be done having kids by the time she was 35, and then move out to the suburbs and hopefully get her boss's job when her boss retires. So she has like a path. And then all of a sudden the pandemic starts and she, uh, is supposed to be leaving on a vacation, the first vacation in years because her boyfriend was in med school. Uh, and they were going to be going to the Galapagos. And so she thinks they're going to get engaged on this vacation. And um, all of a sudden, COVID is everywhere. And the hospital basically tells Finn that he has to stay and that residents will be housed in the hospital so that they're not taking it home to their families just in case they do get sick. And um, he urges her to go on the trip. And he says he'll join her when he can. Because, of course, back then it was, oh, it'll be over in two weeks. Right. So he said, yeah, no, we might. We I think this week and a half is going to be really hard. And then the virus will have cleared up. So, like, I'll try and fly out and meet you. And so she ends up getting to the Galapagos as the island is shutting down to Isabella Island. And... Um, she has to live along the locals. And so the story is kind of her learning to kind of be by herself and to live independently. Then there's a fun twist and it uh, ends in a completely different direction than I thought it was going to end. So, yeah, it's called Wish You Were Here by Jody Picoult. So you tend to like books and movies for a sense of escapism yes. more than I do. I like to uh, tackle things. No. You like to escape things. I like to escape. And both just as valid. How did you find reading this? Because this seems like the opposite of escapism to me. Um. So the thing was, was that Isabella Island had zero cases. So, so she's, it's literally escapist reading. It is she's literally escaped, escaped the pandemic. Um, and she gets the odd email from her boyfriend, but there's very little like cell service or internet on the island. So um, she kind of ends up living this really kind of simple life of a local when all their tourism is shut down and everything. It's really just kind of about living and enjoying your surroundings she's literally in paradise there's like a turtle sanctuary and sea lions and penguins and like it's really kind of almost idyllic so this m book is more pandemic adjacent than tackling pandemic issues yes head on yes there For is the most part. quite a bit of the pandemic um especially towards the end and i don't want to ruin the ending or the twist or anything but there you do deal with it and there were a couple moments where i was like this is like a little too real 
Mm-hmm. And you feel kind of some of those emotions that you felt in like the early days when you had no idea what was going on and you were scared to go to work and you were scared to leave the house and you are scared of any like symptoms or anything. And so um, if you're not ready for to relive some of that, um, this may not be the book for you right now, but I definitely found it interesting and almost kind of therapeutic to like see another perspective of how the pandemic played out so you'd say this is more relatable and identifiable in its context as far as covid goes and rather than reliving and experiencing the trauma over again okay so it's like kind of a balance yeah i could see that if you're not ready to like relive any of that stuff or if it was really traumatic for you you might not want to read this book but it's definitely found it kind of interesting and retrospective Interesting. For something that we're still living through. Yeah. But it, it was really interesting. Those early days were so unique. It, they really were. It's not often that you can say a certain time period has a definite feel yeah. this close to the date. Because yeah. you can go back and be like, elementary school, man, those smells, those yeah. sights, I have it. But you don't know it at the time. This, right when it was happening, you're like, mm-hmm. this is a feel. I, I will is, always remember yeah. this. And they talk about, like, baking bread and sourdough right, starter right. and, like, Tiger King and, like, Back all of these. Back when we were all in it together. Yeah, all of these things that happened, like, one right after another and kind of she got the timeline of everything really like down so well, she, she was probably writing it when it was happening she actually wrote this last year okay so so it was kind of after but i mean social media kind of like archives everything archived everything so i'm sure it was very easy for her to build that pandemic timeline yeah. but it was really cool because i was like able to think of like yeah when we all had sourdough starters <laughs> like <laughs> that was the thing that we were doing or like when we were all baking a bunch of breads and I remember being on a work meeting that I just kind of needed to listen to and I was literally baking a loaf of bread while I was doing that right. and so yeah it was kind of neat to get to see all of the the timeline again so I got it from the public library <laughs> and you can too and you can too um I listened to this one it had a really good um kind of nondescript narrator she didn't do a lot of like voice acting or anything it was just kind of a a good way to listen to it excellent yeah so wish you were here by Jody Picoult so our second sponsor of the podcast is the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on making ends meet in Edmonton. You can learn more at ecfoundation.org. So, Indy, it's time to find out what we're going to be watching for next week. I'm excited. All right. I'm going to give you a little choice here. Okay. There's been a few times where I just put DVDs behind my back and you had to pick a hand. It's true. It's true. So is this like a choose your own adventure kind of thing? Well, here's a movie for you. I'm just going to tell you about it. Okay. 1999. Uh Uh-huh. Big budget. Starring some people you might know. Jennifer Aniston. Oh. Vin Diesel. Oh. Harry Connick Jr. Huh. 
So that's one thing we could do. Or last week, or a couple of weeks ago, my pick was The Day the Earth Stood Still, mm -hmm. which you remember is about uh, aliens, yes. befriend children, there's a robot in it, Red Scare, 1950s. Yep. So my, the other choice is a movie with aliens, uh, 1950s, Red Scare, <laughs> Alien be Befriends a Child. I think because we just did one like that, I'm going to have to go Jennifer Aniston. I know. I can do my uh, infomercial voice. Okay. What if I told you you could have both? <laughs> oh. Same movie because next week we are going to be watching and discussing the 1999 animated, I'm going to say classic. Uh-huh. The Iron Giant. Ooh. I don't know what that is. Have you ever heard of this movie? No. A lot of people haven't. Criminally large amount of people <laughs> haven't. Because this was a big budget animated movie that bombed. It did huh. not do well. Oh, and I think animated. it's very good. Yeah. Interesting. So I think a part of it is that it came out in 1999, which was probably the greatest year in American cinema ever. <laughs> okay. Uh, you had things like... This will be a weird list because it's things that I can think of. Uh-huh. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut, Office Space, American Beauty, Green Mile, The Matrix, The Sixth Sense, Cider House Rules, Angela's Ashes, Titus. Remember that version of Titus? I really like that one. Boys <laughs> Don't Cry, Being John Malkovich, Blair Witch Project, Magnolia, Election, Fight Club. I think the second Toy Story came out then. Hmm. Man on the Moon. I think that's also episode one, Star Wars. So it was a big year. Yeah, lots of blockbusters. And I think list. we've done uh, three movies from 99 already. Yeah. So this is one of them that kind of got forgotten. It had a big budget for the time. I think it was around 50 million, but in the box office just cracked 30 million. Oh. So it lost a lot of money and didn't do terribly well. But I thought I would choose this movie because when we were watching The Day the Earth Stood Still a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. we were commenting on how much the, all of those messages are painfully applicable today. Uh-huh. And this movie does that on purpose because it's from 99. So, of course, it's for that day because we're already 20 some years removed from that. Ugh. But <laughs> this movie realized that a lot of those fears of the 50s, of the Red Scare, of American exceptionalism and moving into isolationism were problematic and this movie saw those things being a problem in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's going to have a different feel from the 50s and from today, but it's interesting to see when times that we're already so far removed from do period pieces. Right. And I think I mentioned this before. This one, of course, it'll be obvious because it's animated, but where is the point where period pieces stop looking like period pieces? Like how far away... Because I've talked to people about movies like Singing in the Rain, and they thought it took place when it was made. Oh. Because if it's a movie from the 50s talking about the 30s, it's kind of hard to differentiate when yeah. you're this far out. True. So this one is about the 1950s. The premise is very similar to The Day the Earth Stood Still. There's a visitor from beyond the stars, befriends a child, and there's probably a good bit of commentary on America at the time. 
and we get to go on a little adventure with these two friends, heroes, I don't know, something like that. That sounds fun, though. So you know nothing about this movie? No. It was directed by Brad Bird, who then goes on to do big animated movies, like The Incredibles is probably the most well-known. Cool. I've never seen that. I think it was good. I don't love it as much as everyone does, Mm. but they're good. Well, let's watch a little trailer, and you can let us know what you think. Excellent. Two nights ago, a SATCOM radar detected an unidentified object entering Earth's atmosphere. This is the greatest discovery since television or something. Warner Brothers Family Entertainment presents... The story of a young boy... And a giant from another world. Now, why would you tell your mom about a giant robot? Sorry. Who became a hero on this one? We gotta hide! You can't protect him. Go to Cobra! Oh god, no! There's a kid in his head! You can fly! You can fly! The Iron Giant. I'm excited. I thought it would be good to watch this after the day the earth stood still because we already set up some context of like what the 50s mean right. in America. And to see a movie with a really similar plot, but a completely different type of movie. Mm. And we can see if thematically it's all that different, but it's a commentary kind of on that movie. Right. This movie couldn't exist without the day the earth stood still. Yeah. You can see a lot of similarities. And also this is another one. I saw 20-ish years ago. Haven't seen it since. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited for you to see it again. I think it holds up. Okay. I think it's one of those movies that is very well regarded, even though it wasn't very successful Mm -hmm. and has found a good resurgence uh, with how um, ubiquitous Blu-rays or streaming or everything like that is now that Mm. people are getting into it more. And I think it's one of those kind of forgotten gems. Okay. So let's hope it stands up. It's from 1999. It's called The Iron Giant. It's a lovely hour and 26 minutes long. (laughs) Oh, I love a short movie, yeah. And it is streaming for free on a couple of different places. You can go to Tubi, that's T-U-B-I, and they do free movies. There are commercials in them, Mm -hmm. but, you know, free movie. You can just stream that. exactly. And also you can watch it for free on Hoopla and you can get access to Hoopla with your public library card. We really are plugging the library today. So So I have links to both of them in the show notes. And if you have Amazon and some of those paid ones, you can get it there too. Okay. There is a very nice restored Blu-ray. I think it's called like the Diamond Collection version of it or something like that. fancy. But whatever it is, there's a nice uh, print of that. And it's only from 99. So even the DVD version and still look great. Right. So go check it out and we will discuss it in length next week. <laughs> okay. And well, I mean in length because we keep going over an hour for every I big know. one now. The last step up was like over an hour. Oh, it was an hour and a half. I haven't edited it yet, so we'll see how much I can get it down. <laughs> but it was 90 plus minutes of us talking about step up four. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone else enjoys this as much as we do recording this. I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> this may be a purely selfish. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 fine with that. Yeah, me too. This is for us. It's fun. And if other people listen, <laughs> good for them too. Yay. Okay, well we'll see you next week when we discuss the Iron Giant. Bye everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>